Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Anti Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Anti Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Anti Up, it's your poker magazine. The key to winning big is using every little bit of knowledge to your advantage. At Odds Checker, we give you the edge. Better odds, better picks, and better offers to make you a better better. Why settle for less? Quickly compare the odds at every sportsbook to ensure that you're getting the best price to maximize your return. Visit us at www.oddschecker.com backslash US. Odds Checker. Sports betting smarter. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 7th, 2020. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long, and I did not see my shadow. (laughs) Only a country that would uh, rely on... <clears throat> a groundhog to tell us the weather, but deny climate change. <laughs> you know, maybe that groundhog should get to Iowa and start counting some votes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the guy might have a little bit more talent there. Oh, man. That was my favorite commercial from the Super Bowl, though, was the groundhog with Bill Murray. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Loved it. Loved By it. Best. By far the best. And even on USA Today's ad meter, that was number one. So. Really? Yeah, that was classic. That was one of my favorite shows. It was like my guilty pleasure, that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> Uh, my brother went to Punxsutawney this year. Really? Yeah, it's a bucket list item for me, and it just never seemed to make sense. And then he didn't even tell me he was going, and the next thing I know, there's photos of him with all the little Nobbler's Hill guys. Yeah, or whatever it is. yeah. Nobbler's Cobbler, Nobbler, I don't know. Nobbler's Cobbler, whatever, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he has this, um, in our family, we've had this stuffed groundhog for years. My dad probably got it at some flea market or something, right? So my brother's tradition every year is to do a number of Facebook posts of this groundhog all over town doing crazy stuff. Wow, and he man. actually took the groundhog to Punxsutawney, and it's in all of his books. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, they they must have like been livid when you bring a stuffed groundhog to Punxsutawney, right? Uh, they all were smiling in the photos. So no way. I thought they'd be ticked know. off. Yeah. How <laughs> dare ye stuff our, you know. Jeez. Well, you know, I'm talking about Groundhog Day so much right now because we don't know whether we'll ever have another one once this uh, coronavirus just engulfs the world, right? So, yeah, yeah, this is scary. And I don't know, is that the way you say it? I haven't even watched TV, so I don't even know. I, I, I keep seeing all these memes with Corona, the beer, and limes yeah. and stuff, so I'm assuming it's coronavirus, but I have no idea. 
I always knew that that, that beer made in a test tube in Mexico was going to cause some problems. So <laughs> here it is. So, uh, but with the coronavirus that began in China being declared a worldwide health epidemic, Macau has closed all casinos for at least two weeks. Uh, Triton Poker has postponed its February series in South Korea because of the virus. And the World Series of Poker has said it is monitoring the situation, but as of now, the summer schedule has not been affected. So I was going to go to Macau last week. And I, and I just, uh, so let me ask you, is it an epidemic or a pandemic? I don't even know the difference anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know that. You, usually <laughs> the, my business partner corrects me on all that stuff. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know the difference anymore. Right? I don't want to look it up. I'm too lazy. But uh, it does, it does uh, raise a few flags here for the World Series of Poker. Right, because yes. they do come from all over the world to play in it, and it's coming up soon. Yeah, so I mean, even I mean, it's hard to imagine at this point, uh, February seventh, that uh, this thing is going to get out of control to the point that it would affect you know the schedule of the World Series, right? But it, it's clearly going to affect travel plans for folks. Yeah, um, you know, see these people like quarantine on cruise ships and. You know, airlines diverted and all kinds of stuff like that. It's it's scary stuff. So you know, I know we're kind of laughing a little bit, but it's uh, it's pretty damn scary. <laughs> um, one of the things that I people are putting out on social media are like, "Hey, thirty two hundred people or eighteen hundred people died of the flu already this year. Why is everybody freaking out about the coronavirus?" And I'm like, "Yeah, there was an article in the paper this morning that said the flu is far more dangerous." Yeah. Than well, you know, it's like that with everything. Like, you know, I'm trying to think what the last big scare was where everybody lost their minds. And I'm like, you know, again, it's because it's in the news. And people are talking about it, and it looks scary. You got people with masks and stuff, and people freak out. Swine flu, I think, was a swine yeah, flu, the, right? the reality of yeah. it is it, it's, I mean, it's super serious, but it's contained for now. And, um, you yeah. know, if it starts engulfing the world, then, then it's time to, to worry a little bit, but. Um, I want to know who gets to name these viruses. That's the thing. Like that's that's why it was a guy like kicking back with a corona, and he's like, "Oh, I just well, discovered this new disease." Probably would have been the meteorologist, but they got the the snowstorms and hurricanes, so you know, <laughs> don't get too beady. So, but, but they're the best people at naming stuff. So, that's, uh, yeah, right. I remember Hurricane George when it came through the uh, Tampa Bay area about a decade and a half ago. George. George. <laughs> you yep. can't pronounce it. No one knows how to pronounce it. They keep saying George's. They're like, no, it's not George's. It's George. <laughs> no appreciation for the French language, right? Mm. Not at all. Um, but, you know, uh, you get back to the uh, whatever this virus is, uh, you know, it, it's one of the places where you can get sick pretty easily. And I hate to say it because we're in the poker business, but as a casino, right? Cause, yeah. You know, when you're in close quarters with people for a long time, um, and you're touching chips that are moving around the table, so you're touching everybody's. You got everybody's germs, right? So, mm. um, so I would hope our listeners, when they go out to the casinos in the future here, just uh, keep good hygiene. You know, wash those hands a lot. Um, you know, cover your mouth before you cough. Do all that good stuff because um, we don't want this to spread. Yeah, I remember back in the day, Doc Frank used to write a healthy bet column for us, and he would bring this up every once in a while about how dirty a poker room could be, and you have to stay clean and wash your hands and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it's easy to do. You just gotta gotta want to do it. So you know, don't be that guy that I always look at when I'm walking, uh, when I'm washing my hands in the bathroom, and he just like whistles right out, you know, like <laughs> whistles out. Yeah, and then and then you sit down at the poker table. I'm like, oh my god, you're my. He's sitting across from you, wiping That's his nose. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, thank you, thank you so much. So. <laughs> table change. <laughs> 
All right, after previously being accused of ducking being served summons, Mike Postel, who's been accused of cheating on a live stream at Stone's Gambling Hall, finally has been served and was granted a one-month extension to file a response to a civil lawsuit. Postel also does not have legal representation at this point, so he's representing himself. The other plaintiffs, King's Casino and employee Justin Caritas, also have been granted an additional month to file their responses. Uh, just uh, dribs and drabs. Yeah, well, again, I think the last update we had on here was the you know the lawyer going to great lengths to to serve uh, Postel, and um, so it seemed like right after that, uh, I think it was like early January when we were talking about that. It was still early January when uh, Postel finally accepted the summons, and um, so it took a couple weeks to get the extension and all that. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens in uh, by the end of this month, and uh, that'll be the next step in all this. So. I still have visions of the lawyer like banging on the door. I can see you in the house. That, no, but I mean, you, you're laughing. I'm laughing too. But that's exactly what it sounded like, even by yeah. his own description. I mean, I read a couple more articles this week. He was on on, on another po- uh, podcast talking about it, and uh, it, one of the things he said is, uh, "You know, I rang the doorbell several times vigorously, <laughs> <laughs> vigorously." <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, somebody was talking about how this uh, this this whole thing could end up. We'll see how it all turns out, right? But right now, it, it's prime for a movie, right? I mean, that yeah. that this is the kind of movie we want to be made by poker uh, about poker, um, you know, for the advancement of our game. But uh, there's a lot of elements to this that are very Hollywoodish, right? Right. And I think what's going to happen is that they're not going to make this movie. They're going to make another runner runner clown movie, <laughs> <laughs> taking the worst things of this and turning them into cartoons, right? Remember how important we felt when we got to see the advanced screening of that movie? You know, I was actually thinking about that the other day because, you know, the Oscars are coming up this weekend, and I always see all the Oscar movies before uh, the ceremony, and so I've been at the theater a lot lately. And um, and so much that I joined that little AMC A-plus thing where I get three free movies a week, um, which is awesome because that means you spend $15 on popcorn and soda. <laughs> so they're still winning, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but anyhow, so I was thinking about that, and at the beginning of the movies, they do the big uh, reminding you of all the great benefits you get at AMC, uh, and, and most of them are reserved for the A-list members like me, right? Uh, but one of them was, like, invitation to special events, and I'm like, last special event I was invited to was Runner Runner, and gosh, what was that, four, five, six, seven, twelve years ago? Uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I thought about it too because you know then then you go right into the previews right and they always have like one Sundance you know movie up there and they start flashing all the critics comments yeah. and, and we were asked our comments on the way out and uh, you shut them down Chris <laughs> shut them down <laughs> it was good I'm like all right okay that's gonna be great yeah it was good Chris Casenza hosted the Andy of Poker Cast. It was actually we had the magazine already. It was the magazine, so we could have it could have been like one of those. The any uh, poker magazine says it was good. <laughs> it was just so bad. It was so not good. I mean, it's so not good that even when it's on TV and it's almost never on TV. That's how bad it is. They don't even play it on TNT, right? Right. right. Uh, but when it was on TV, I just can't bring myself to to turn it on and wait for the scene with Ben Affleck in the steam room with the executives. <laughs> Then landing in Puerto Rico. Oh, the gold trickaroo. It's so bad. I remember that night uh, vividly because that was the night I learned that you smuggle alcohol into theaters. And I, and I thought, did I get into business with a person who has a drinking problem? 
No, then, you got no business with somebody who is just as cheap as you. <laughs> of course, later on, I found out you did have a drinking problem, but that was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, any updates? The schedule for the Andy Up Spring Bower Classic at Gila River Hotels and Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix has been released. The 21-event series will run March 14th to the 29th, culminating in a four-flight, $460 main event, the winner of which will appear on the cover of Annie Up. The schedule is full of variety, including two Omaha events, a women's championship, three multi-game events, and a triple draw event. Full details at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Viquiva. We have three Annie Up Pogo Cruises this year, but you'll need to act quickly to get on the first two, an Easter weekend sailing from Tampa to Cozumel, and a 15-night transatlantic from Tampa to Amsterdam. We also have a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing from Galveston, Texas, coming up in October. For all the details, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a set up with J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Any Up Poker Cruises, available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. Man, it's a blast from the past. Yes! Gundam writing in. Now, for those of you who don't know, Gundam was around in the early days of our show, right? I think the last time we heard from Gundam was when uh, Runner Runner was premiering in theaters. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I think the last I heard. Oh, man. He says, uh, I have a home game on and off for many years, uh, and a few of the more infrequent players have complained about how the home game seems too serious because we are so strict on the rules. Our game is far from serious, as there is much joking, drinking, and general goofing off as is done in so many home games. However... It seems our home game differs in that we really have a pretty strict policy on certain rules. Exceptions are made for new players who may not know Robert's rules of poker yet, but for those who know better, we are pretty strict on rules that many let slide. Our game is low stakes, some would even call it micro stakes, and has a large variety of skill levels uh, with a lot of joking around. However, we still try to stick with the rules and apply them consistently. The problem is we need all of the players we can get. Is there a way around this? Can someone really be too strict on following rules? Well, all right. So we, we've addressed this a couple times in the past, but it was a good reminder of it, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, a couple things about um, – I, I guess you can be too strict, but um, I don't think it's bad to be strict on rules for a couple reasons. One, you're trying to – prepare your players whether they have any aspirations of actually going to a casino to play um even like one two or two four limit um you're preparing them for going there or another home game uh, by teaching them the right rules so they don't look like a fool there or get upset there right so that's one reason um and then the other reason i, I will say too is the the rules are in place not to make the game not fun um, just like laws are in place in the society not to make life not fun. They're in place because, you know, sometimes what, what I think what happens here is you've got like a, a, what a player would think is a super minor infraction or something you're being really picky about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, hey, come on, dude, it's a home game. We're just having fun. The problem is that at some point you're going to have a big deal, right? It's going to be a big pot um, and something's going to go wrong. And then you're going to have this, well, hey, that last time we let it slide. Well, that last time there was 
forty cents in a pot, right? Yeah, <laughs> now there's yeah. five hundred in a pot, and if you're not um, applying those rules consistently, that's when you have them. So you have the rules not for every hand. You have the rules, really, in my opinion, for those big hands. So if you're not trained on that, you're going to have a big problem at some point. And yeah, you'll lose a couple people because they don't want to play by the rules. They're upset about that. You're going to lose an entire game though when you have a big pot that goes bad. Uh, the other thing too uh, is, you know, they're in place because if you don't have them in place, the people who are a little more savvy might expose the things that you're letting the beginners get away with. If you let everyone get away with the things that really aren't good for the game just because there's someone in the game who wouldn't understand the rule until he learned it then everyone can expose it you know like like a string raise for instance right. you know people see who are beginners they see on tv television hollywood or whatever and they say i call your bet and i rate you know and then yeah. you're like okay you can't do that we'll let you get away with it this time but if, if you let everyone get away with it because beginners want to do it or don't understand then now the guy who's really savvy can judge your reaction and and take advantage of it. So, yeah, it's it's important to have those rules. I, I don't think you can be too strict, to be honest. I, It's one thing to – I just don't I, – I think you need to be consistent, too, which is what he said he does. So as long as you're consistently ruling the same way. Because then at what point does someone become experienced? And, you know what I mean, wh- who makes that decision? Oh, well, Joe last week didn't understand what string raise was, and now he's – you know he's doing it again. He should be considered. He's warned on that one. You know, so I mean, it, it's also you know a little uh, uh, subjective. So I, it's hard to I, that way. If you just the rules are in place and they're objective, so keep the rules in place and just say, hey guys, if anything, you know, type up a list of rules. They have them in poker rooms, and say, hey, you want to play in our home game? We want you there. But here's here are the rules, and you know them now. So if you don't know them, you can't use that as an excuse. Or even at the beginning of the home game, just say, hey guys, we're all here to have fun, but you know, some of us are a little bit more experienced than others, and and explain what we just said, right? You know, yeah. so we are going for some rules. We're not doing it to be jerks. We're not doing it to make the game not fun. We're doing it so if you decide to go somewhere else that you're going to be prepared for it, and we're also doing it so in the you know in a big situation we don't have a big cluster f that we have to figure out. Right? <laughs> so um, I think if you explain it that way, I think the more rational people are going to get it. Now, obviously, they're going to be upset when you know you call them on a string raise or some of this other stuff, but but at least you're you're upfront and honest about it because I think really when people get really upset about when they're when they're called on rules, one there's an embarrassment factor too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but two, they also there's this inherent thing in poker that you think somebody's trying to get something over on you or cheat you or something, right? So, oh, this guy is enforcing a rule that's uh, I've never heard of that rule, right? So, if you're upfront and clear about it from the beginning, I think you you lose some of that. And and here's the other thing: I understand um, what Gundam's saying is about you need every player you can get. I, I would argue a little bit you don't need every player you can get. You need good quality respectful players in your game yeah. and sometimes your, your home game is better with somebody who gets upset and leaves and doesn't come back yeah. right yeah sometimes those people just cause a lot of problems and make it make it less fun for two or three or four other people right so yeah, yeah. you know I I, I I do think in home games even if you're having tough filling them up you have a right to um, be picky about who you invite and who you invite back so if you've got people that just can't get their head around the fact that uh, the rules are in place for a reason, then you know maybe they're not good for your game. Maybe they're maybe you don't need that body. I agree. Hey, you know what? We get to uh, complete O'Malley's move today. Uh, here comes part one, and we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm. 
O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em Casino cash game. It's a typical 1-2 cash game, with the only difference here being there are two monster stacks at the table. We're the big stack with 1100 We bought in for 200 and have been getting hit in the head with the deck, although we're playing pretty well also. The other monster stack has $900 and is a very solid player who seems to know what he's doing. He also bought in for 200 about 20 minutes after we arrived. We've been playing for around 5 hours. The blinds post, the under the gun and plus 1 fold. The MP, the player with 900, makes it $10 to go, standard for this table. And it's folded to us on the button with the 8 of spades, 7 of spades. This is a really good hand to try to stack this player with, and since we have the button, we're going to call. The blinds fold, and with roughly $20 in the pot, the flop is a beauty. The ace of hearts, six of spades, five of spades comes down. The MP pretty quickly makes a $20 bet into the pot. Are we going to play for stacks on the flop? We have an open-ended straight flush draw, a straight draw, and a flush draw. We bump it up to $75. After thinking for a brief moment, our opponent makes it $250, leaving himself $640 behind. Uh-oh. We decide to slow down a bit and call. Perhaps our first mistake? The pot is a massive $520, and the turn is the deuce of spades. Our opponent counts out a bet of $300 and puts it in the middle. Gulp. What's the move? All right, our opponent definitely likes his hand. Uh, the two that I'm worried about are a set of aces or ace-king with the ace of spades. Uh, but his range is much bigger than that, I think. Uh, and I think we've invested too much money in this pot to not to the river. Uh, so I'm going to call. Yeah, even if we are behind, I think we still have two outs. So uh, I, I think a call is warranted. Um, but I'm going to remind you that you said that uh, he likes his hand. So I'm going to I'm going to remember that later, I think. <laughs> okay, here comes part two. Hello again. This is not a bluff. He knows we're strong, and I get the sense he's wanting us to call. The question becomes, is our hand better than his? He raised from the MP, so this could be a flop set. It could be aces, ace-king or ace-queen of spades, possibly king-king with the king of spades, but this player is good enough to know, one, what our range might be, and two, that there is definitely a flush possibility. This is a very difficult situation to be in. I'll show if you do, I say. Maybe I'll show you one, he replies with a grin. We think for quite a bit longer and very reluctantly fold our hand face up. Our opponent smiles and tables the ace of spades. So, did we get outplayed here? Was that too nitty of a fold? Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, be careful when you're the big stack trying to stack the second stack. You might end up getting stacked. I hope to see you on the felt. Oh, the old one-card tease to make us think about this forever, uh, but I'm not going to. A fold might have been right, but I still would have called. Yeah, me too. But, you know, my experience is when they show one, they have it. So the way the betting went, I think he did have it. I think he already had the flush. And uh, I don't know what the other card was, but I think he did have have it. And um, like you said, the way the betting went, too, and the way he, he thought he really liked his hand, I feel like he's got it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, I mean, that's probably a good discussion for a future show on if somebody shows their uh, one card, what does that mean? Yeah, because, like, if it was in Omaha and they show one card, then you're like, well, that could be anything, because you, you, everyone knows in Omaha, people bet the blocker and say, you know, but in Hold'em, 
it's like would he have really made that huge re-raise with just with just one spade? It just seems like he hit the ace, got a really good kicker, and he's got the flush draw, and then he hits the flush, and then bets three hundred. I don't think he bet three hundred on a pair of aces, and then maybe you have the spade as a backup. It seems like a lot in this game. It's a one-two game. Um, I feel like he already had it. I feel like when he saw us bet, he was hoping we had a, you know, something that we could play, and then he re-raised us with a really big, you know, ace something with both spades, and then knows that he can get it all in here, having top pair, maybe even top kicker, and then nut flush draw or whatever. I know straight flushes, but uh, and it just feels like he had it. So I, I wouldn't. You're that one card tease thing, but I think we, I think he had it personally. Well, yeah, and what's interesting is the psychology of showing cards, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you, oh, I would argue probably a lot of times in these lower level games, when when you're showing cards, you're you're not thinking through what you're doing, right? So right. it's uh, an impulse, right? So, um, and so think about what, what kind of emotion you're trying to get by showing. I mean, generally, you're trying to show the person you pulled one over on them, aren't you? I mean, yeah, yeah. even if subconsciously, so. I mean, otherwise, you know, you know, you don't show. You know, it depends on the emotion you're trying to get, right? So if they keep asking, will you show if I fold? Eh, I don't think so. And then they fold and you don't show. Now that guy's like really agitated, right? Because he wanted to see something, right? He wanted to he wanted to be reaffirmed that he made the right decision. And you didn't give him that option. Whereas when you show the both cards, you know, then then they know they know exactly what happened, right? So. I mean, I think more often when you show both cards is because you bluffed. When you show no cards is because you had it. Could be wrong on that. So it's the one, the one card. It's 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 in between those two things. So. Yeah, and it just yeah. depends, like you said, on the session. Like if I if I'm coming off as somebody who is really tight and always has it when he has to show it, then if I bluff somebody, I don't show it because then I'm gonna keep thinking I probably had it. As soon as you show the bluff, now you put it in their heads that you could bluff. Then you got to change your way of playing. So it does depend on the way you've been playing up to that point as well. Um, but I, I agree with you. you. When you show cards, you're trying to elicit a certain response or have a certain feeling or or um, thought about you come over the table as well. So you know, if you want people to think that you only have the nuts at the end, then show them the nuts. You know, when you don't have to. If you want them to think that you bluff all the time, show them, the, you know, so it just depends. I feel like this guy had it, though. He bet that so strong to have just, you know, and if he had the spade in his hand. You yeah, know. so let me ask you this. So, uh, because this is, it's fascinating to me to think about which card you're showing here. So let's say he had it, right? Mm-hmm. He had two spades. Um, and again, we're talking about the emotion you're trying to get your opponent to feel, right? So why not show the other spade? Because then that tells him that he's got the flush. To me, when you show just the ace, you now you're going to try to wonder, did he only just have aces and I had him beat? Mm-hmm. And he's just saying his backup and I could have called his all-in or whatever his $300 bet and then said, oh, I, I still got the flush. You still need to hit the river. If he shows like the king of spades, now we know he's got it because he's not doing it with with you know a random ace there and the king of spades is a backup because not the nuts. So I feel like the ace is the key card there. It can make you think, oh, he's only got aces with a backup of an ace of spades. But if you show like, if you show like the nine of spades, you know he's got it. You know, there's just no way he doesn't have the stuff flush there. He's not betting a pure naked bluff on a you know ace or an ace nine for aces only. It just feels like the ace of spades is the one that's going to make you think the most. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. All right. 
I mean, I guess it depends on the other card, but it feels like if you had Ace King of Spades right. and he shows a King of Spades, it doesn't help his cause any. You think, oh, he could have had King Queen of Spades, but you think he's got the flush already because the Ace of Spades is the key to me because he's got the not only does he have the pair. But he's making you think, is it just a pair? Is it a backup insurance for the river for a four-card flush? And there's a lot to think about there, but I don't know. That's just how I feel. I just It's been in my experience that when people show one, you know, they basically have it. Because there are times when the, you watch it on television. That's why I get it. It's not like personally, because if they show me one, then how am I going to know they had it or not? But, well, you know, I think that's what's interesting about showing this card if you had it there. Because now you've just shown your opponent that I, I really did have it. Right, or so yeah, you, or you're making him go crazy you're, like you did. <laughs> you're let the one card. Give a positive reinforcement to the fact that he folded properly there, right? Which yeah. I don't want my opponents to ever be comfortable at the table, right? Yeah, I, 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 it's just my experience though. Some people don't feel that way. Some people think that they don't know, and so when they see one card now, you because you wrote it yourself. The old one card tease makes us think about it forever. You know, what I mean, you said you're not going to, but people do that. They. They'll wonder now, was it the Ace of Spades and that's it? Was it just Aces and he had the chance to river the flush? Or did he already have it? So now you're going crazy. Now you're not sure which it is, you know? I, to me, I, I think he had it, the way he bet it. I mean, let's see, We he bets 20 on that flop. We raise 75. And then he comes over the top again for 250. I mean, I don't think that's a set of Aces. I, I think that's... I've got the ace of spades and another spade in my hand, and I'm willing to get this, you know, thousand dollars in the middle or whatever. He hit nine hundred or whatever, because I've got not only the nut flush draw essentially, but I got top here, top kicker or whatever it is. And nobody puts it in on ace nine, you know what I mean? Right, right. So it feels like he did have something like ace queen of spades or ace king of spades, and uh, he was just happy to get it in with that. And when he bets out big on the turn, now he's like, I got the flush. I'm hoping this guy's got the flush too. Because why would he rate? You know, or hope he's got two pair, and he thinks that I'm bluffing because the two two spades doesn't help him. I don't know. It just it's an interesting hand. It's the, probably the most we've ever talked about an O'Malley's move. Yeah. You well, because yeah, it's an it's a little extra twist there with yeah. these, the cards, which yeah. Yeah. probably could have a bigger discussion about. I at some agree. Point. I agree. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Long-time listener, first-time submitter, O'Malley. Yeah, yeah, it's an O'Malley show. Describing it as a situation, but you know how we always do this, so we'll treat it as Hand of the Week until it gets to situation-y. Okay. Um, all right, uh, it's 2-5, no limit hold'em. And he says it's a pretty standard 2-5 table. Some maniacs, some solid players, and uh, everywhere in between. Eight-handed. Um, let's see. He describes villain one who is in the small blind as starting with a 180. Uh, he's a loose passive pre-flop, chases draws post-flop. Villain number two is another gun plus one, starts the hand with 500. Brand new to the table, has folded for about 20 minutes. And uh, we're the hero in the middle position. We start the hand with 520, playing roughly break-even poker for two hours. Okay. All right. Under the gun, plus one, which is uh, described as one of the villains, raises the 15. Um, and then it uh, it folds to us. And where are our cards? <laughs> I'll laugh nervously as you have to fill the dead air while you try to find the two cards. Uh, da, da, da. 
Well, I know he's pocket queens. I just don't know what suits there are. I just don't know why I know. I know that because it's on the show notes, but. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so pocket queens, we don't know what suits. Okay. We'll we have queens. We go in case it matters. Right. The situation so probably won't matter. All right. So we have queen, queen, guy raised 15. We have him covered just barely. And there's another guy apparently going to be involved in this, but we don't know it at this point. So. Um, I don't like to just call with Queen Queen, and I don't think it puts my hand face up, especially if, you know, it's, it's, you know, a casino. You know, they don't necessarily all know how I'm playing. People come in and out of the games all the time, so I don't know if we have a, a, you know, a a, a reputation or whatever yet, but I'm going to raise, make it like 50 to go. That's exactly what I was going to say, and that's exactly what O'Malley did. Wow. So if this is a situation, we're just going to be over real quick. We're, we're all boring by being the same. So. <laughs> no arguing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you definitely got to get some money in the pot with, with the queens and make it uh, and fold out some of those aces and kings behind you that are weaker. Um, and if you get heads up, that's always what you want to do with a pocket pair. So, um, All right. Uh, our small blind, who also, remember, is described as one of the battle, uh, uh, villains in this hand, calls. And uh, the original Razor calls. So three of us going to the flop. Okay. Squiggly 150 in that pot. Four of hearts, four of clubs, deuce of hearts, and it checks to us. Both players check to us. Well, I mean, very rarely do people just call when they have a better hand than queens and it's been raised to them after they've raised. I feel like the under the gun plus one, if he had kings or aces, wouldn't have just called. I think that he does not want to go into this three-handed for the price that we set. I feel like that guy would have pumped it again and said, yeah, so what? I play my hand face up. I have aces. Go ahead. You want to get it all in with me and make it 150 to go or whatever. But he didn't. It's rare that somebody does that. I, I don't know if you have the wherewithal to to do that. I think you need to, to, to re-raise again, um, and you didn't. So that being said... Same with the the small blind. If the small blind had a really big hand, he doesn't want to be out of position the rest of the hand with a mere call. With three-handed, too, by the right, way. Right, and three-handed. So he would he would want to take it down now, or he'd want to get at least isolated with one person. And since he's only got 180, he'd shove with aces because another re-raise would make it 150 to go. So, I mean, he's literally betting more than 25% of his stack on a call. So it's bizarre. Um Maybe he does have aces, and he thinks he wants to. He's one of those people that think it's great to have as many people in the hand as possible when you have aces and get your most value. But that's how they get cracked. So I don't know if he actually has aces. But to me, if I have 180 in front of me and I could take down 100 right now with doing nothing except shoving, I'm going to do it. Almost double my stack, or double my stack. Uh, no, almost double. Almost. You know. I mean, to me, I feel like that person doesn't have us beat preflop either. So. When it comes four four deuce and two hearts, I have to bet. And if it checks to me what you did, I have to bet. And I, I mean, why? Because well, there's hearts, you know. Two, if uh, if someone has like baby, you know, you're giving them. You can't you can't just check or be worried. I mean, you have to bet here, um, because I don't want to give them free card to hit a better, you know. Yeah, we definitely full house don't want turn. the. We also have aces and kings we have to worry about, so we don't want an ace or a king to peel off here. So Yeah, somebody has like ace-king, 
or at least we want to. I'm sorry, we want to. You you can't control the deck, I mean, right? Right. Like, but so I mean, we got to bet. Want them to pay 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 to hit that ace or king. Exactly. So if the if the pot is about 150, I'm thinking I'm probably going to bet about 100 or so, maybe even more, maybe like 120 or something. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. About 100. It's a nice little round number stack. So. Okay. Uh, all right. So you're betting 100. I'm betting 100. No, Mally's betting 100. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we've we've been doing this show too long. So. This is not good. Um. Uh, all right. The small. Uh, well, hold on. What did I miss this? So. Uh, what checks? We bet 100. Small blind calls. And then our other opponent min raises to 200, and back to us. Oh, jeez. Well, first of all, how does the small blind start with 180, call yep. a raise to 100 to 50, and then call 100? He's got 30 left. 30 behind, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the under-the-gun guy plus one min raises. Guys, this is weird. I just feel like if he had kings or aces, he would have three-bet or four-bet us. So I just can't imagine where B... And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can go away from this. It, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel. Yeah, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. You certainly don't want to leave three players in that hand pre-flop if you have a hand like that. Now that being said, we've always seen people get a little tricky with aces or kings. So let's say that he had aces or kings and just played pre-flop weird, right? Um, I might check there, knowing that uh, it's ninety-five percent that we're going to bet. Um, and then we can get some more money out of it. So that's that's what I'm worrying now is is this guy playing ace ace king king weird pre flop, but probably somewhat properly on the flop. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't think min raise here with like ace king or a hand like that. So I mean, unless it's ace king of hearts, but even that's kind of weird, right? Because you'd almost want that. F- yeah, a hundred dollar card instead of a two hundred. Yeah. You don't want to open the betting up to have to shove it in on a draw. And two overs. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing. Uh, well, I wonder if he thinks we just have Ace King and his Jack Jack is good. He thinks you know, or something like that. Because Ace King, because I I don't know, I don't know what hand is doing this. King King or Ace Ace is the only hand that could be beating us. Uh, no one has a four or pocket deuces or something. Uh, I don't know. I the way it played down, the way it came down, I'm probably just shoving on the guy. I feel like he tried to make a move or something, or he, if he, I just think if I can eliminate those two hands from any common sense. The other thing is that if the if the small blind doesn't have anything, or if he does have something that we couldn't figure out that beats us, and then the other guy really doesn't, do we want to just shove and make him fold? Because then we we might lose money on the hand. But if we can get more out of that guy, we're going to win in case we lose to the small blind. It, it's a tough situation. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if I if I absolutely eliminated those two hands, I'm going to re-raise again. Yeah, I also have to wonder what the small blind has there, right? So, I mean, more likely he's on the flush draw, right? So if that's an ace or a king, that makes it less likely that our opponent has that pair. Um, but again, uh, unless he has ace-king, <laughs> then right, right. one of those two pairs is still pretty pop- uh, possible. So, um, I don't know. I'm really confuddled right now. Um, Which is why it's a situation. 
I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe call call the hundred here, and if Ace King comes, and you can feel a little bit better about getting away from that, then um, it's just a weird way to play poker right now. But you know, isn't that a, that's a weird way? To, here's another hundred, and yeah. if an Ace and a King comes, I'll feel better about giving you that extra hundred, and that's like just the weirdest thing. So. Well, no, but I mean, you'd feel you'd feel better about folding at that point because now I got to feel like I there's no way I'm winning if an ace or king peels off, right? I would think. Um, right, but there's let's just say there's six cards out there that would make us feel better about folding on the next street, but there's forty out there that right. Exactly. So it's just like the odds of you having to call another huge bet on the next street unless a queen comes is going to be you know astronomical. Well, so, the other thing is a min raise is always an interesting bet, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you know, again, we're well, it's two five, so it's a little bit more sophisticated than one two. So that's what I'm a little bit more worried about. But um, I could see some people min raising to kind of just stoke that fear in your mind. Um, not not fear of the bet or, but just what the heck is going on, right? Which is exactly what we're talking about right now, right? Yeah. Who checks here and then min raises a uh, hundred. Who who leaves thirty behind in a pot? Or he just called a hundred, right? So there's a lot of craziness going on here. Um, so it's, it's possible now. I mean, obviously, I, I got to think that's well. That small boy should have put the thirty in now, so maybe he's not going to put the thirty in on the on the next card. But no, he doesn't have to because if he's going to stay in the hand, he's got to call the min raise anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I. I Part of me is curious what happens if we just call here if, if uh, our lone opponent with ships uh, checks on the next street. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is I don't. I when you check raise, you're coming out betting generally on the next street no matter what. So that's the thing is that I just feel like we're going to be facing a huge bet on the next street, and if we don't hit a queen, we're just throwing away a hundred bucks if we're going to fold. All right, well here, bet. all right. So here's the thing. So all right, so if we call here. The next bet is going to be all in for this guy, right? Right. Oh, right. So, I mean, I guess that that's really the way to look at it now. So you know, it's shove or fold here. Well, so, what well, no, but that's what I, I'm trying to talk out here. I'm like, you know, one school of thought is, hey, you're going to get it in anyhow, so why not just shove here and maybe get him to fold? But I don't. I don't think they're going to give him the fold. And he's not min raise bluffing, right? That's really weak. It's just whether or not we believe the hand is better than us. So I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm just giving my, my myself an option to talk myself out of losing the rest of my chips on the next card. I'm probably going to get him in regardless. So um, I, I guess I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the reason to shove here because you know uh, his next bet is going to be the shove. But that's the thing, though. Here's why I think you need, if you're going to play the hand, why waste 100 and call and know that unless a queen comes, an ace or a king comes, we're not going any further with this hand? Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying... So you're saying fold now? No, no, I'm saying call now, and if an ace ace or king comes, then I can reassess any other card, and he's going to shove, I'm going to call at that point. Yeah, see, now you're... That's the thing is now you've opened it up to this just mean you talking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you've opened this up to I now. <laughs> you're 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 giving yourself doubt. Remember when we used to have Lee on the show all the time, he would say always put them to the test, not yourself. To me, if well, I, I were to shove when you shove here he's got to call. He's got to call, right? Well, no we don't know. No he might rethink that his jacks aren't good. 
he might think that we were only fooling around with Ace King, and when he min raises, he's going right. to put all these thoughts in your head. If you're telling me that on the turn that you're going to call any time anything when it's not an ace or a king or a queen, obviously, um, you, you're going to call no matter what. Then why not just shove now? Because the odds of those six cards coming out are very rare. Whereas you've got forty cards or whatever that are going to come out. And that's just way more majority of the time. So why not put this guy to a decision and say, okay, it's going to be another 200 on top of that for you. You better know you have me beat here. I don't think he does that. I think he's doing it with, all right, I've got Jack, Jack and I don't, or even if he has, what if he has King, King and he's convinced now we have aces, you know? So it's really only one hand we're worried about because ace, ace probably doesn't go anywhere, but King, King might fully believe now that we really do have ace, ace. We have the aces, yep. So now right. it's one hand. We're doing all this yep. over. So I'm shoving. All right. You're talking me into it. All right. That makes sense. I did it. Good discussion. Though. I made you make a horrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. O'Malley says, uh, here's what went through my mind. If he had ace, ace or King, King, wouldn't he have raised, uh, preflop? Could he have quad fours or a full house with, deuces or four four deuce i write those off as monsters on the bed scenarios that leaves ace ace king king and a bunch of other hands i beat draws over pairs the board uh but under my queens i'm not too worried about the small blind he's loose pre-flop and could have almost anything here says he only started 180 and if i win the side pot with the other opponent i should profit assuming i can get him to commit his stack now the question is do i raise or call i was really torn on this decision see as we were Mm mm-hmm uh, ultimately, I think raising might have been the right play, but I just called. Ah, see. Oh. Small blind puts his remaining 30 bucks in. Uh, and the turn is the queen of hearts. Bingo. Board is four of hearts, four of clubs, deuce of hearts, queen of hearts. Uh, and our opponent bets 125 of his remaining 250. Well, I mean, you could just call. Because, I mean, you, you know, if you're going to shove and then he's going to call that, he's going to call it on the river, too, I think. But I don't think he can fold anyway for now. I mean, it, for one, you know, he put 50% of his stack that was left in. He might as well just call the last whatever. Um, but that's the cab fare thing. So maybe you just call and see if he does it again. This is the beauty of having position. If on the river he doesn't bet or shove, then you... You know, because there's nothing that's going to scare us on the river. I don't care if it's an ace or a king; it doesn't matter. There's no way right. I'm folding the queens full. So right. um, now you can bet it comfortably on the river if he checks to you. And then if he doesn't call, then he wouldn't have called it on the earlier street either. So right, exactly. Yeah, we just call. Yep. Uh, all right, we decided to raise to two seventy. Uh, he says leaving twenty behind because of the overshove. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, our opponent calls. Uh, the board runs out the tray of clubs. So final board is four of hearts, four of clubs, deuce of hearts, queen of hearts, tray of clubs. The all-in small blind had the jack of hearts, nine of hearts. Yeah. And our other opponent had the ten of spades, ten of clubs. Yes. I was so close. I called the jacks. Yes. Now, here's the other thing. Small blind calls a $50 preflop re-raise with jack, nine of hearts, out of position the rest of the way? That's insane. That's insane. (laughs) This is a 2-5 game, Scott. You said it was sophisticated. How sophisticated is that? Well, then the weird thing about that is, so, I mean, he got almost the best you could hope for. He got two hearts there. I mean, yeah, you could have the dream flop of three hearts there. But, you know, why not? Why don't you just shove on that flop now? You got 130 behind. That's a pot size bet. Yeah. 
He gets his turn card too, the Queen of Hearts. Gets, get, hopefully, get one person to fold, maybe both to fold, and you pick up a pot with a hand he shouldn't have had. And if you get called, then you got your heart outs, which yeah. turned out not to be good for him. But that was super weak. Wow, that's insane. See, we've always, we always, I've played a lot of two five, but you know, I, most of two five games I've played have been better than than someone doing that in the small blind. You don't see that very often. Oh, absolutely. Wow, that was crazy. So that was cool. That was pretty spot on. 10-10, because he just didn't believe us. Didn't believe us, so he min-raised, which was kind of weak. He should have raised more at that point, and yeah. that would have... I mean, we ended up calling the min-raise, and that's why I said, I'm like, then he, got, then he got a little spooked because we called it. So part of the reason that I would have called, so it ended up working out well. But, bam. But you would think on that river he might second-guess it. Now the queen's an overcard. The flush got there. A boat gets there. You yeah, think he might but, like fold that last one twenty five or not even bet out or see, whatever? Joke about the bus fare, but the bus fare sometimes gets you home. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it was really hard to imagine winning that pot at that point. I think that was one of those things where you talk yourself into. I've invested so much, I, I'm just gonna like close my eyes and step on the accelerator and go right into the traffic and hope <laughs> I don't die. Right. <laughs> Which none of that is logical. So you need to remember that at that point that you know, at this point, I mean, what what can you beat there? You can beat nines. That's about it. I, I know that's crazy. Uh, he just has to believe. I mean, maybe O'Malley was a bluffaholic, like the whole sh- the whole session or something that we didn't know about. But he was pretty even the whole way. It didn't seem like but even that. What are you bluffing with there? With I the know. Get there. The queen gets there. I mean, I guess you're. I mean, ace you could king. probably. He must have talked himself into thinking we had ace king, and you know, like one of them a heart maybe. But that's that's the only thing I could think of where you actually thought your tens might be good there. Oh man. Well, O'Malley, thanks for providing the quality content of today's show. <laughs> Checks in the mail. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Lark. We'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.